Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, this is kind of a unique episode because I have somebody who wrote a book about one of my friends, and it's just a weird thing. But uh, the book apparently is awesome. I know that he interviewed a lot of people, including me. And this is probably one of the most influential, charismatic, one-of-a-kind people that you'll ever meet. His name is Charles Barkley. The author that we have today is Timothy Bella, and the name of the book is Barkley. So my show is unique because we start each one of our episodes the same way, which is having our guests walk us through the arc of their career. And you're a journalist by trade. So talk to us about your various career stops that led you to the beat you have now for the Washington Post. Yeah, thank you so much again, Bakari, for having me on. Um, So it was kind of this winding road that took about a decade, honestly, for me to find any form of uh, stability, (laughs) if I'm being honest, Um, straight had a college, worked at ESPN on part-time basis, got interested in that kind of stuff. But I really was pressing on my laurels from college and what I did. And honestly, I was lazy and uninspired, and I didn't really uh, pitch any ideas or write any stories. I was just there kind of existing. So uh, after I did graduate school, and on to CBS News, and then eventually Al Jazeera America, uh, where I uh, put to travel in the field and work on a lot of interesting stories. Uh, for anyone who knows Al Jazeera America, it shut down about maybe two and a half years into it. Uh, I did a little bit of freelance work there on the side, mostly feature stories and athletes like The Atlantic and Esquire, Playboy, stuff like that. And then uh, latched on to another startup called Vocative that uh, when I got there, uh, it it took me only 51 days and the whole company shut down too. So within a span of about 16 months, I was at two places that folded. And honestly, at that point in time, I really thought that I loved journalism more than journalism actually loved me, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I was looking at other possible industries, like, do I keep going? Do I keep writing and purporting? Because this is honestly the only thing that I've wanted to do since I was in middle school. Like, if that's all I did in high school, college, internships, all that. So, like, if I wasn't good at this. I was honestly screwed, Bakari. So, like, uh, could I get a chance at the Washington Post? I'm not going to lie. Like, when they made me the offer, I just cried because I had this decade following college where I was at these good places, but they didn't last. And I was really questioning myself and what I was actually doing wrong. So, uh, to be at a place like the post for th- these past years has been incredible so far. I mean, that's a, I hope that everyone listening got the inspiration out of that, that I did, because we all go through points where we're just trying to figure this shit out called life. Um, and it gets kind of tough. Yeah. And honestly, at one point when I got paid off from Algeria America there, uh, uh, I was living with my girlfriend, who's now my spouse. And there was like a Papa John's, right around 
but corner they said you know we're, we're hiring drivers and i really did think about it for a hot minute just to make some extra money because um it was a really tough time and i really doubted myself a ton um i did not have to do that but still it, it shows you that um if, this game is not easy man it's not let's talk about barkley why did you do a book about charles barkley what is it about him that made you want to write a book about his life? Yeah, he was a definitely an inspiration for me growing up. I was, you know, a, a, a fat, undersized Italian-American kid with a, a speech impediment who, like, loved basketball. And I saw Charles Barkley and I learned about his story about how he was also fat, undersized. And at one point, was not very good to basketball and how he morphed into this hurricane, this incredible Hulk who on the court would swing on a rim with like, like he's on a swing set. I mean, it, he was just incredible to talk shit the entire time too. And I'm just like, who is this guy? Who is he? So for me, early on, he gave just me a ton of confidence. I was still a very bad basketball player, but I could rebound though. With my big ass so um <laughs> but but as i grew older and started to understand what he was saying and doing ton and off the court i ju just thought that he had such an outsized presence in pop culture and uh there has been one other book dunked on him but it was in early 90s by roy s johnson outrageous a fantastic book but obviously a lot has happened since then. So I just thought it was a great opportunity now. Um, how much did you know about Charles Barkley before you wrote the book? I had a fair amount just being a fan and someone who uh, uh, watched him every week on Turner. I read his books with uh, Mike Wilbon and uh, the Roy Johnson book. Uh, but I you know... It's funny, Bakari, for someone who is a public figure and has been a public figure since his Auburn days for almost four decades, we know a lot about his life, but you don't know really how he got there. And we really didn't know if people who knew him best in Leeds and Auburn and Philly. So I really wanted to dig into that and figure out how this kid who was called Wade, his middle name, by his friends and who was picked on and uh, didn't like girls that much and was really shy at first, how he became this icon, this guy who has been on our TVs each week for uh, over two decades now. I want to figure out how he got to this point. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. 
Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Talk about the pre-NBA life of Charles Barkley. How much of Charles is Leeds, Alabama? And how did those early childhood experiences give us Charles Barkley? He he is Leeds, Alabama, and Leeds, Alabama is Charles Barkley in a lot of ways because um, he attributed everything to his upbringing. And when you talk about his upbringing, you talk about his mother, Charcy, and his grandmother, Johnny May. Um, his father, Frank, left him when he was only 13 months old. He had a, a stepfather who was killed in a uh, car crash early on. So there really were not that many strong you know, figures in his, his life. So he really did lean on um, his mother and his grandmother as well as Leeds as a whole. And there is a playground that is in walking distance from their home in the, uh, the Russell Heights projects in Leeds, um, a property that the Barclays still own, by the way, uh, that he just spent hours upon hours just bouncing the ball deep into the Leeds night. And these neighbors would just get so pissed to Charcy saying, you know, why is he up so late doing this? And Charcy, he's like, well, it's better than getting involved in, in drugs toward gang violence, which were prevalent in Leeds at that time. So um, without Leeds and his mother and grandmother, honestly, his life could have gone in a bunch of different directions. Leeds is an amazing place. It reminds me of my hometown of Denmark, South Carolina, oh. where we got three stoplights and a blinking light. You know, it's the exact same way. And it's a really good barbecue in Leeds, too. <laughs> I also feel like because he went to Auburn and let's say not North Carolina or Duke for college, people sleep on how good he was in college. Can you speak to that? Yeah, he was really a late bloomer out of high school. So the recruiting process for Charles Barkley did not really get going until he had this breakout game against Bobby Lee Hurt, who was the star recruit for Alabama, who was nationally ranked. And Charles, who was uh, six inches shorter than Bobby Lee, just dunked all over him. He Prebounded all over him. Um, he blocked his shots, and it really opened eyes to you know who is this undersized kid out of Leeds, Alabama, because no one had heard about him until then. So the recruiting process got going really late between Auburn and and Alabama and UAB too, who was super good back then. Um, Joe's. Albert after this visit in which he just basically hung out with us, Sonny Smith, the head coach at the time, and his wife, Jan, just hanging out at their house, eating olives, watching TV, uh, just hanging on their couch the entire time. He didn't go to any of these wild parties. He was really a hermit back then. And when he did start playing at Auburn, um, it was slow going at first, but he beat out a senior in front of him. And, and after that, it really took off. But even as he was taking off at that point, um, he really thought about leaving Auburn just because him and Sonny Smith 
had butted heads. He, Honey Smith, uh, in a lot of ways, was the father figure she did not have at that point in time, and really almost didn't want in some ways. Um, but but he ended up staying at Auburn, and as he flourished, Auburn capitalized on um, his special story. I know his weight, his athleticism. They uh, uh, took photos in Sports Illustrated of him just having pizza, uh, <laughs> which is something that you just would not see for a college star at that point in time. So he really did have this incredible run and put Auburn on the basketball map back then. So uh, one of the things that I ask every author about who comes on the show is, did this book cha change you um, as much as it does for the readers? How did this book change you, if at all? It changed me because, it, I know, if anything, it, it was a, a minor of, of how much of a privilege it is to really dig into someone's life uh, away, I jumped into Charles's. I'll be honest, Charles is not involved in this book. I tried super hard, but it just didn't happen. But put that being said, I, I, I've told his family this and I've told his agent this. It really is a privilege uh, that he had a chance to document such a big life like this because, because I know, there are a lot of special things he's done. There are a lot of things that he regrets, whether it be uh, spitting on the, uh, the little girl or uh, driving, throwing a guy through a uh, window in a bar in Orlando. There are a lot of wards, just like anyone's personal story. But uh, for me, it was just a reminder to how special. Uh, and how much of a privilege it is to uh, dig into a story like Charles's. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.
I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty powerful. I know that it, that this took a lot of work. I think you said it, it took over 400 uh, interviews to make this happen. Who's the audience for this book? Is it just sports fan? And if not, who do you think the non-sports fans are who only heard of Charles in passing? And what will they get out of this book? Yeah, I do think uh, if this book has a little bit of uh, something for everyone. I mean, we dig into his early family history in Alabama. I I'd like to go as far back to document the earliest ancestors of Charles Barkley um, and understand who they were and and how they actually got there. So there's the history part of it. We also have to dig into obviously the civil rights movement in Alabama at the time, uh, uh, segregation in the schools, uh, some of the stuff him and his classmates uh, were facing at that point in time uh, when he, he did go to, uh, when the schools did combine there to lead. So that historical part, there is a big pop culture part to it, talking about his time on Saturday Night Live and in these Nike ads, his role model ad. Um, there's that, his uh, his rumored relationship with Hadana is also covered in there. Uh, they both deny it up and down, obviously, but um, if anyone told you to star like Charles was linked to someone like that during the NBA finals, I, I feel like if there was a social media back that it would just explode <laughs> and break down. So uh, it, it really does have a little bit for everyone. And we also talk about um, uh, uh, some of the causes and some of uh, the stuff he said on police brutality and politics. It's all covered there. <laughs> so, you know, we're on the ringer and we talk about sports. My question is how much um, did Charles Barkley shape the nineties NBA and how much did not winning a ring shape his career? Yeah, he was in a lot of ways, the number two to Michael Jordan in that time period. I, I, I think he saw like, we all did at that point um, where he stood and where his butter, uh, his bread was actually buttered. And he saw that if Michael Jordan is Luke Skywalker, then it's going to be good for him if he's Darth Vader. But a funny Darth Vader, though, who who packs uh, jokes. And I, I do think that he felt really comfortable in that number two spot i i think it took him a little bit longer to come to terms with not winning a championship because um you know you see it on tnt every thursday now with uh jack and kenny saying you can't be a part of this conversation you didn't win a ring but um I do think that you used to actually bug him, but if you, you see Tim now, he's older, he's wiser, and I do think that he has accepted and just kind of moved past that, even though he is still arguably the best NBA player to ever win a championship. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's something that 
still follows him and unfortunately will keep following him. One of the last questions I have, one of the things about Charles that people don't really know is how much wealth he gives away. What shaped how Charles thinks about philanthropy? I do think it goes back to his mother and his mother cleaned homes in Leeds, Alabama uh, for a lot of the, uh, the white families there. And she would come home and say, these are good people. They treat me well. It doesn't matter your race or background or how much money to have. If you can be good to someone, you should be good to them. And I do think he has held on to that. Um, he has been a longtime supporter of uh, of each high school there, handing out scholarships each year. Um, he, he, he is more involved with natural disasters. After Katrina, he gave money. After the, uh, the, the wildfires near Tahoe, gave money there. Um, he's been more invested in certain causes as he has gotten older too. I know he played a huge role for uh, former Senator Doug Jones uh, and his campaign and what that meant uh, to actually beat Roy Moore at that time. And he has latched on to more democratic causes um, since the Obama administration. So um, he really does take it seriously. I do think Personally, he sees it as another form of his legacy and just actually giving back because he knows he did not have much. And now that he does have uh, a fair amount now, <laughs> I think he just wants to do whatever he can. Bakari. Last question for you. Most important question of the show yeah. is when is your book available and how can people buy it? It is out Right now, uh, you could get it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold. It's called Orkley, a biography, and by Timothy Bella. <clears throat> I appreciate you, Timothy. We put this together kind of quick because I love Charles. He's a good friend of mine. Um, and I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the Bukhari Sellers podcast. Thank you so much, Bukhari. I appreciate it.